Hi, my name is Duncan and we're the Fantasy Football Fanatics. I'm joined by Ben in LA and Andy in San Fran this week. Andy, what was your football highlight of game week 23? So my, my football highlight came after the, uh, the first game. Uh, obviously a cracker of a game between Leicester and Wolves, um, the, uh, which in itself could actually be the highlight. Um, but at the end of the game, when, uh, when Jota scored the winner, um, Nuno Espirito Santo, who is one of my favourite managers, I really like him because he, I like the sort of uh, the cerebral way he goes around about setting his team up. And I like the fact that he sort of seems, although he goes crazy on the touchline, he's pretty measured and interesting in press conferences. So um, he kind of half lost his, his, his cool when Jota scored and went crazy on the touchline. And there was about to run on the pitch. And then instead of running on the pitch, kind of ran along the touchline around the corner to get to where the players were and then stepped like just a little bit on the pitch and rubbed Jota on the head while he was lying down and then quickly ran off and ran back to his, uh, ran back to his, um, his dugout, um, for which he was sent off because they're not allowed to go on the pitch, which seemed extremely harsh. And then at the end in the interview, um, I'm not sure whether this is the same interview for the US audience as you get in the UK, but uh, on the US interview, at least he was asked like, what do you think of sending off? He was like, yeah, that was fair. I, uh, I broke the rules and I should have been sent off. And I like that because it's very rare that you hear managers penalise harshly, even though they technically did, did break the rules and like support the referee and the FA in upholding the rules of the game rather than trying to get an advantage, which I thought was very mature and refreshing. Yeah, and very, um, very like he is as a, as a manager, like you're saying, he's... Uh his goal celebration was pretty mad and then he was very measured in response to the interview. So yeah, a perfect little synopsis of him. Indeed. In a nutshell, that's, that, that's him and why I like him. Uh, what about you, Ben? What was your football highlight? Um, I think I actually have two, two highlights, uh, kind of like Sunday league football in the Premier League. Uh, the first one was the match that just ended um, Spurs, Spurs versus uh, Fulham. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Mitrovic versus Sanchez the whole game. Um, really battling. And at one point, Mitrovic, I think he got Sanchez in a headlock and just like threw him onto the ground. Uh, they both got yellow cards. So it kind of like those Sunday League games where you have like the target man versus like the hard centre back and they're both just like fighting the entire game. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. And my other Sunday league moment it was um, Spironi. Um, I, we, we're kind of Palace fans because, uh, you know, that's our local team. And I know growing up, like Julian Spironi was the number one goalkeeper for Palace. But now he's basically the third choice goalkeeper and had to play this week because uh, Hennessy and Gaeta are injured. Um, so you have like this 39-year-old goalkeeper who hasn't played in like over a year trying to, trying to keep out Liverpool's attack and um, I thought he was pretty hilarious. Made a made a, a couple of like terrible errors, uh, like Sunday league errors. The the biggest one being, uh, luckily for us Salah owners, when Milner crossed it, I don't know what he was doing, but he just kind of like palmed it in the air, and then Salah tapped it in from a, from a, from basically the goal line. So I thought that was just pretty pretty hilarious seeing Spironi back in goal with his like his grey hair and dishevelled look and trying to keep out the Premier League's best attack, arguably. Yeah, you could definitely see that coming and Liverpool licking their lips when they knew it was going to be Spironi in goal. Yeah, yeah I miss his like long... When, uh... Do you remember his long hair when he used to be first-choice goalkeeper? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, 
they needed that Spironi, the one from like five five to eight years ago. <laughs> Who was He's still it? a legend um, that brought back? I think it was West Brom, maybe uh, a couple of years back. They uh, they brought Gabor Kurali out of retirement, sort of dishevelled, <laughs> bald goalkeeper in like. 80s tracksuit bottoms <laughs> standing in goal for a Premier League club. Kind of reminded me of that. I love hey, the I... tracksuit bottoms. They were so hilarious. Yeah. Kirali used to sell those tracksuit bottoms in Hungary, where he was from. He used to be famous for selling them. You could go and buy a, a pair from his shop. Because <laughs> they weren't... They weren't even like branded by like Nike or Adidas. It literally just looked like tracksuit bobs he bought from like Hungary. It was so funny. <laughs> that's because that's what they were. <laughs> um, my my football highlight. I I got to go to the the Arsenal Chelsea game. Um, got to go to the Emirates for this one on on Saturday evening, um, and it was a really great game. Um, obviously, being an Arsenal fan, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think there wasn't a huge amount of quality on show for a lot of the game. So my highlight isn't actually from the football. Um, as always with Emirates, if I get to go to a, a match, I, I love some of the stuff they do at half time. especially, I think I've mentioned it before, but when uh, little kids get on the pitch at halftime, they're, they're made to take penalties against the team mascot, Gunnosaurus. Um, a big dinosaur in an Arsenal kit who stands in goal and tries as hard as he possibly can, or she, who knows what's under that um, dinosaur head, diving out of the way of the kids' penalties so that they can score a goal and the whole crowd will cheer. And this time, for the first time ever, there was a kid dressed in a goalie outfit and he said he wanted to try and save a penalty from Gunnosaurus instead of take a penalty. And I was so happy because it's the same thing every single half time. <laughs> For once, they're doing something different. Um, and the kid, the kid goes and goes, Gunnosaurus steps up and absolutely hammers it into the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, everyone's just booing and I am laughing my head off because that's not in Every single time he tries to, when he's in goal, avoid the ball. And I think he just lost it. I think <laughs> the red mist he said, this time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. This is one for me. Um, <laughs> but the kid, the kid got to retake it and he saved it the second time. But it was nice to see Gunnosaurus just, you know, smashing one into the corner for once. I would love it if he'd, uh, if he'd taken his hat off and it was like Ian Wright or Thierry Henry underneath. <laughs> <laughs> That would be awesome. Maybe it is. You never know. It could be Ray Parler. I'm not sure what he's doing. There, they wouldn't so. have scored. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we have a look at our game week? Because I think it's a pretty high-scoring game week all round. Andy, you're first. I am indeed, with more points to come as well. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased with this game week. Um, we were, before the probably we were just commenting on uh, somebody that we don't know, but is in our league um, scoring over 100 points this week, which is particularly annoying given that I'm proud of my week and I'm trying to catch him. Um, be a good week. I captained Mo Salah, who obviously got 15 points, so picked the right captain. Um, Pogba and Rashford delivered again. Uh, Leroy Sané was my transfer this week. The, this was the, the one mistake I made this week, was um, I, I brought in Leroy Sané and I had a choice between Sigurdsson or Richarlison to bring him in for. Uh, having watched Sigurdsson last week, I was like, 
really unimpressed and thought, I don't want him in my team anymore. Richarlison looks the more likely to score. And then guess who scores this week? It's Sigurdsson. So um, I lost uh, seven points for that because Richarlison got two and Sigurdsson got nine. But apart from that, it was, um, that went well because uh, Sané got 12 points. Um, my big differential this week was my defence because Tarkovsky and Dubravka both kept clean sheets. Um, gamble with Alexander-Arnold. If he did play, then he would have been um, in my team. But obviously knowing that he wasn't likely to play, um, I had, didn't really have to make the choice between him and Kalasanac because it was made for me. Um, so then Kalasanac will come into my team and give me another six points. So out of three defenders and a goalkeeper, I got three clean sheets, which is pretty good. Um, the only players that disappointed really were Richarlison, who I didn't expect much from this week, and Aubameyang. Um, I, I thought we sort of on the pod were, were quite, quite down on Arsenal last week. And I, when I re-listened to it, I thought we were too down on them because I thought their style of play was particularly suited to playing against quite a, a morose Chelsea team. Um, so I, and Aubameyang honestly could have had a hat-trick in that game. Uh, so that was a bit disappointing. It could, it could have been even more points if he put that cross away from Lacazette. But yeah, I'm going to end up on 82 points for the week. Plus, I think it's one bonus point for Sané. So 83 points, which is a good week. And hopefully I can keep that going. Yeah, really good week for you. A bit of a, a strange decision to play Snodgrass ahead of Jimenez, though. Snodgrass not playing the 90 minutes in the last two games. So I'm guessing he's not going to feature in the first team for you. Um, no, I think I, I, for my next transfer, I'm, it's obviously going to be either Snodgrass or Richarlison that goes. I haven't decided which yet. Um, I, I put him in the team because I thought that um, Nasri might firstly having just come back into Premier League football he might not be able to play consecutive games um, and I honestly thought that West Ham were going to win that game handsomely and so if if they did then maybe Snodgrass would come off the bench and, and still do something but they obviously didn't so never mind <laughs> I think it, given the choice I would say get rid of Snodgrass because Richardson's playing all the minutes at the moment yeah, I might I might take a hit and get rid of both of them. Um, I don't know, I haven't decided yet. Um, next up, it's me. So I think I'm going to finish on 70 points exactly, um, which would be an awesome game week um, normally, but I'm having a really good season. So I think it's probably going to be a red arrow for me. Um, and I think, I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to fall. It's probably around 3,000... Oh, no, I've just checked, actually. I think because um, Alexander-Arnold didn't play for me, I've actually got a green arrow. Hey, nice. Um, a very small green arrow of about 200 places. So I'm pretty much 3,000 bang on. Oh, that, that has changed my mood completely. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, the big reason that uh, I expected a green arrow is because I, I went Maverick this week. Um Obviously not with Salah, otherwise I wouldn't have had a good game week. Salah was my captain, um, and apart from that, uh, points came from, yeah, pretty much the same as you, Andy, Pogba, Rashford, Sane. Um, I had a terrible week in defence. Dinia, own goal, Alexander-Arnold. I was so happy that I kept him right up until the deadline to find out that he might start. Um, I didn't expect him to, but it means that Bennett's coming off my bench with a, a very lucky goal for Wolves because he's not looked that threatening from set pieces this season but he got me a goal so that's fancy gods were shining on me but they were definitely not shining on me for my maverick pick of Urente for Kane which um, 
yeah, I just, I thought I would try and do what I did in seasons gone by and try and try something a little bit different. And it didn't come off uh, spectacularly with his own goal and his zero points. Um, I think I think it was the Fancy Premier League were tweeting today during the matches that Llorente um, at one point had less points than Harry Kane, which is saying something with Harry Kane's injury. So that was a bit of a punt. I think it might be a one-week punt. I just I wanted to maybe push high up in a, the good position, position that I was in. But instead, I'm just kind of treading water, which is fine. I, I don't think he's going to hang around. But he might be an interesting third striker for me. Um, and then next week I'll decide on whether it's Firmino or Aubameyang or both maybe. Um, yeah, oh, good week, good week. I thought I thought I was going down, but I'm I'm treading water. Um, ben, how was your game week? Um, so I finished on sixty nine points, but I took up a minus eight hit. So. Um, I did a Duncan this week, so I saw the news that Trent was out for a month that I think a couple of um, media outlets published, and I had Trent and Kane, so I was like, oh, I might as well move on this early, Um, so I made three transfers, I did Alexander-Arnold to Benderek, I did Kane to Rashford, and I did Richarlison to Sane. Um, so I think all those those moves actually worked out because obviously Kane and Trent in play and Richarlison kind of blanked and Sane got 12 points. Um, and I captained Salah as well. Um, I think the, what's kind of um, annoying about my team right now is Chelsea. Are, I have two Chelsea players where a lot of people don't have any Chelsea players and they, they looked really bad <laughs> against um, Arsenal. They They really didn't do anything. Um, so I have Alonso and Hazard. So I'm hoping that Higuain gets here ASAP um, so that he can help some of them out. Um, and then the other surprising thing was Doherty didn't start for Wolves. I don't know what that was about, um, but he came off off the bench. But it doesn't look like Wolves have that many clean sheets in them. And I have Patricio and Doherty. So, yeah, a couple of worrying things about my team, but... Um, I think given I took a minus eight this week, I'm pretty happy with 69. I think it'll be a, I think I'll probably drop down from 19,000 to around 23,000, which um, I think I'm okay with. And hopefully like um, sets my team up for the upcoming weeks. Yeah. When on the Doxy thing, I think, I mean, my thoughts on it, just looking at his kind of game week history, he's played 90 minutes of every single game since game week 10. So I think Nuno was just giving him a little bit of a break, to be honest. He's done that with a couple of players. He He's given Moutinho a break here. He's given Neves a break there. Saiz has come in. Um, you know, uh, Johnny had the injury, so he had a bit of time off with that. I think he's just rotating slightly. I'm sure he'll be back in the first team. Um, yeah. Next game week. Benderek is an interesting one. I think a lot of your transfers, you were saying, came off. Sane, obviously. Rashford, obviously. So that's a really good point swing with you taking the hit. But Benderek was on for nine points for a lot bonus points for a lot of that fixture against Everton. Uh, he was top of the bonus for a long time until they conceded. Um, so that could have been... I mean, even even if he doesn't get that nine points, it's still a good transfer, I think. Yeah, I was actually kind of glad 
Sigurdsson scored that because Benderek was first on my bench and I was like, shit, he's not <laughs> going to come on. But then luckily Siggy scored that goal. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. He's been like a, an emblem of my team for me this, this season because he, he's been my, no one else had him, but I did. And he, he was doing really well for me. And now, obviously, the second I transfer him out, he does that. I'm like, oh, Siggy, I didn't realize you were a troll too. Ed two. Ah, Ed two. No, I, I think I was so sure out of Richarlison and Sigurdsson that you were going to get rid of Richarlison. You've been so down on him. And you went for Ziggy, your man. Yeah, I did. I just, I was, I just thought he looked so rubbish last week. I was like, okay, Richarlison could have scored. Sigurdsson had absolutely no thing anywhere near the goal. So... Um, that was the deciding factor. It was I, I knew I was going to get rid of both of them in the near future. So, anyway, is what it is. Um, Andy, what do you reckon to the first fixture for us to preview? Arsenal Cardiff. Is this easy, or are we over? Are we underthinking this? No, I think this is an easy one. I think um, Arsenal are really good against Chelsea. I think Cardiff looked really, really poor this week, um, which. Uh, and I, I can't see. I, I think that they're now in the drop zone, and I don't see them getting out of it. Even though they've had a few sort of battling results in the first half of the season, I just don't think they have enough. So Arsenal will have far too much for Cardiff at home. I think um, it could be one to captain Abamyang if you've got him. Uh, I think it, really it's Abamyang. I think and Kalasenac, both of whom I have, are the only Arsenal players that I think uh, most people are thinking about at the moment because Lacazette's not getting the minutes. If he did, then he'd be great. Um, so, if you've got either of them, I would say play them. I certainly will be. And um, if you've got any Cardiff players, hide behind the couch. Yeah. It's it's difficult to predict with Arsenal's lineup who's going to start these games. Because I think you could see from the Chelsea game that Emery is a very tactical coach and he's a very pragmatic coach. And I think he, he set up the system against Chelsea with Guendouzi, Xhaka and Torreira playing in midfield. Three central midfielders um, who are kind of tough t- tackling a lot of energy um, to basically knock Chelsea off their rhythm, make it very difficult for them to break down without the, you know, they're struggling with creativity. So I think he very much designed the team based on the game. And it's thinking about who he, who he'll play for Cardiff. I don't think it'll be the same team again, because it's not a team that can create very easily. It's a, a team that can destroy and kind of counterattack. So I think against Cardiff, You'll probably see a Wobi, um, and he's looked quite promising recently, creating chances. Um, he's a he's a decent price as well with these good fixtures for Arsenal. I think he started the season around five point five, um, so he's probably dropped a bit because he's not a very popular pick. But uh, he, he's five point four, um, so he he might be an inter- interesting one. Um, we might even come onto that with gut punts later. He might be one for me. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, Andy. I think this is a an easy one. But um, team-wise, I think potentially you might see Ozil because he might want to see more creativity, but I don't think you can bank on that. I think Iwobi is more likely. I also yeah, think the, that... The um, thing... Sorry, but you go. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the only thing is um, you, we've just got to remember that this game was on Tuesday and the, the FA Cup game before this is <laughs> Arsenal-Man United on Friday. So my guess is both teams will try and roll out pretty strong teams for that because, um, you know, big clash. So that might give some interesting team news. I don't know if I don't know if Emery will rotate or if United will rotate for this game. 
Yeah, it could, it could be that he um, he does exactly what Duncan's saying for the Cardiff game and and plays a similar team against Man U to against Chelsea. Another really interesting feature of the uh, of the Arsenal team, which I'm not sure how this impacts fantasy football, but um, the sort of three destroyers were were all quite high up on the pitch and they were destroying in Chelsea's half, um, which then led to them getting quite close to the goal at times as well, even though they're not necessarily very creative players. And I've seen that quite a lot, particularly with um, with Torreira. So there's a couple of times he scored goals out of which weren't expected. And I love, I love how happy he is when he scores as well. Um, but if that's a tactic that you see repeated in the big games, you might see sort of unexpected players come up with point holes. Yeah, and Torreira took a few set pieces in the game against Chelsea as well. So, he did, that's true. Yeah, he was definitely... Yeah. Um, I just, I just don't think I'd bring a player like that into my team. But it, it does kind of block out all those more interesting attacking midfielders who, who might otherwise get points. But yeah, I think that's a good shout. They'll probably play a similar team against Man United that they did against Chelsea, and then to rotate and freshen up, you might see Iwobi and potentially Ozil against Cardiff at home. Um, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, ben, what do you reckon to Fulham Brighton? Yeah, so I actually watched both the the games that these two teams played this weekend. Um, Fulham were good in the first half and then kind of tailed off in the second half against Spurs. And obviously, I think a morale uh, sapping uh, defeat, conceding an injury time. And then Brighton against United, they were okay. Um, they, They put up a spirited fight once they, I think Pascal Gross got their goal back and then put a bit of pressure on. I honestly, I don't know. I honestly think Brighton are actually the better team, um, but Fulham are at home. And oh, oh, Fulham had Ryan Babel uh, come with his red hair today. He looked pretty good. So I don't know. I might just hedge and say this could be a a draw, like a one all or something. Um, and Babel, let's check his price. Is five point five midfielder. I think it's too soon to take a punt on him, but um, I think he looked pretty good today. Um, so yeah. I might go with a, a score draw here. I think Babel's a really good shout, actually, because he um, not not only is he a five point five midfielder, but he's almost playing as a centre forward. Like of the uh, the three attacking midfielders that the Fulham played in that game, he was by far the furthest forward. Um, got in really good positions, and I, I thought he looked really good. So, if you do need to sort of downgrade and save some money with an enabler up front, he he might be a really good shout. Snodgrass to Babel. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. But I, 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 Don't do it, Andy. I do still have 2.2 million in the bank. So it, it, my part of my objective right now is to get my money on the pitch instead of the bank. <laughs> so if I did that, I wouldn't really be achieving uh, my goal. Nice to see um, Pascal Gross back in back on the score sheet. And he's he's now got an assist and a goal in his last three games and he's, he's had a good run in the team now coming back from injury in game week 13. So they've got good fixtures, Brian. He might be a, an option if people think about Richarlison replacements and um, it is a bit punty, but you know, there's a sea of green from here until game week 36 for Brighton. Um, yeah. And, and you'd, you'd think they're probably going to try and score a few more goals towards the end of the season as they're getting close to relegation time. Do you think that's worth uh, worth considering? I know. I, I kind of feel like Brighton, uh, they're just not 
for, for fantasy, I try and look at who who might get a big haul. I don't really see any of those Brighton players. Like they're they're a great unit, and they're 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 definitely a Premier League quality team, even though they don't have very many players that stand out. So you never really know who's going to get the points for them. You never really know whether they're going to sort of win two one or lose two one this week. But they always just win enough two ones to always be safe. So for fantasy, it's a bit kind of uninspiring to me. I, I don't. I, I might look at their defenders maybe if they have a run of home fixtures. But I don't know. Um, Pascal Gross, I think, is. I mean, he obviously did well one season, but he hasn't done that well this season. Glenn Murray gets in and out of goals, and he always seems to score when he's not in your team. You know that that. I, I'm not really a big fan of uh, of Brighton as fan, as a team. Yes, as fancy assets, no. I I think the only one that I'd possibly be interested in in, in terms of fantasy would be Shane Duffy. And I think, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of good looking home fixtures coming up. Watford, Burnley, not famous for their, their goals, Leicester, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Southampton all coming up pretty soon. And he's still one of those defenders you can pick up for 4.6. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's a good shout, but it is very unattractive to bring in Brighton players for fantasy, isn't it? Um, so fair enough. Um, Huddersfield Everton, this is one for me. I think um, it's hard to judge Huddersfield against um, Man City coming to visit because Man City uh, are on form at the moment and obviously, you know, one of the best teams in the league. But I think losing David Wagner and then having a defeat like that is not a nice combination. I think the team that they put out, there were a few different players that you that I hadn't seen um, Fagner starting. So, you know, they're kind of quite fresh and they're going to bring energy, but I think they're also not going to be up to speed, um, not going to have a lot of match practice. So Tommy Smith, um, Bakuna as well. Um, and, you know, added to that, you've got Jason Punchin, who's only recently joined the team. So you're, you're adding to the fact that they've lost their messiah, um, in the manager of Wagner and also they've got some new players that haven't played for a while and new players in Punchin who's just joined so it's a little bit all over the place for Huddersfield I think getting rid of Wagner was a a bad idea um, I think he was their their big hope really um, to turn it around and I think Everton super unpredictable but I think this is one of those games where instead of um, conceding lots of goals, they're going to score lots of goals because they kind of vary between the two. Um, I don't think they're going to concede. Um, I think their defence is annoying, but I think Huddersfield just don't score goals. And I think Luca Dean is a great person to have this week um, because he's got that attacking threat as well as the potential clean sheet. Um, I think I'm going to be keeping a close eye on Richarlison in this fixture because I think a lot of people are considering getting rid of him. It's been quite a few blanks now. Um, and if he can't score against a team like Huddersfield, then maybe he does have a bit of an issue um, when it comes to winter uh, in England and maybe with you know just general fatigue, fatigue towards um, the middle of the season. So I'll be keeping a close eye on him. And I think there are good alternatives out there to him now. If he doesn't play well in this fixture, he's got a blank coming up in game week 27. And, you know, Diego Yota has scored a hat-trick this week. You can easily switch between them. Um, so I think unless he does well in this fixture, I think he's going to be leaving a lot more teams and potentially mine as well. Um, so, yeah, um, fingers crossed for, for Ricky can do it. 
Andy, what do you reckon to Wolves West Ham? I think this is a uh, a big fixture for fantasy football, isn't it? Because a lot of people have three Wolves players because they were undervalued at the start of the season, and a lot of players have uh, have West Ham assets as well because they scored the goals. Um, I think Wolves are going to win it. I think they'll 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 win this uh, the, the tactical battle. I think West Ham's um, attack has been undermined a little bit by the Arnautovic saga. Um, they can't rely on players like Andy Carroll and Chicharito isn't the player he was when he played for Man United. So I think Wolves will keep West Ham at bay and they'll win this one. So um, for my, my my team personally, I have teams, players from both sides at the moment, but I will be looking to lose Snodgrass, not only because he's not playing, but because even if he did play, I don't think he'd score in this game. Um, so... Yeah, I think if you've got if you if you can afford to have none of your players in this in this game, then I, I don't think it's going to be particularly high scoring. Um, I wouldn't necessarily earmark it as one that you definitely want to play Jimenez because um, even when they score four goals, he only gets one assist, even though he's centre forward. So he's not like a, a, a big goal getter anyway. And I think this is going to be a, a game where a goal with the odd goal um, kind of wins it. So um, I'll be playing my my Wolves defenders in this one. Um, but I won't be playing Jimenez and I'll be transferring out Snodgrass and I'd urge others to do similarly. What would you do with Felipe Anderson? A lot of people still have him, me included. Um, yeah. I think, well, he's a, he's a, in the long run, he's a good person to have in your team because he is their main creative spark. But I think temporarily at the moment, the, the uncertainty in their strike force is kind of undermining him. So there isn't much longer left of January if you can sort of take the pain of another week or two where he doesn't score very well before that all sort of settles down and gets sorted out. Um, then then and you've got like more important transfers that you want to make then, then make the other more important transfers. But if anyone's got a week where they're like, oh, I don't, really know, haven't, don't have like a priority transfer this week, I'm, I'm not sure he's as good value as he was earlier. So you might want to look at... Um, transferring him out for the likes of... I've been looking at Martial um, because he's 7.3, so similar price. Um, I wouldn't be looking at Sigurdsson, uh, even though he scored this week, because I think he looks absolutely shot at the moment. Um, you, Duncan, mentioned Diogo Jota. If he stays in the side, which is, that, that's a big question mark over him. But if he stays in the side, he could be a good one to save some money on and uh, and maybe bring him. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'd be looking at right now. It's funny because the seven point three, well, this the seven to seven point five range of, of midfielders generally isn't doing as well as the six point five to seven range midfielders in 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 this season. I don't think you've got the likes of Fraser, Pereira, Richarlison. Um, like they're all sort of performing when they play. Even Lucas Moura at the start of the season, like. I feel like there isn't a great deal of extra value in spending the extra 0.5. So with uh, if Felipe Anderson's sort of recent poor form fantasy-wise does continue, it may be worth saving a bit of cash there. Yeah, there's even uh, Lamella in that bracket as well, um, who's surely going to get starts from here on in. So, yeah, quite a few options um, for both Felipe Anderson and Richarlison if people are thinking of getting rid. Um, yeah, I also recently read that Arnautovic's um, China move might have fallen through and he might actually end up staying at West Ham, which will, would, I think, probably help their attack if he, if he does decide to stay and, and plays, especially when Andy Carroll's missing shots from, like, one yard out, like, skying it. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's pretty funny. 
Yeah, that was hilarious. I, do you know what though? I still think, although he's hilarious, um, he if if he plays consistent, what they need is either on out of it or Andy Carroll to be consistently playing for them in order to unlock the potential of the players behind, like Felipe Anderson and Samir Nasri. If yeah. either or both of those two are playing, then they have a really good attack. If they have Chicharito and Antonio as their main strikers, it doesn't really work. So um, I think that's really the key to, to to whether West Ham assets are worth having in the future is, is whether or not they kind of retain on Antovic or keep Andy Carroll fit. If, if the, the move is off, like it does sound like it is, then... Um, I can imagine Anatovic just coming back as if nothing's happened in a couple of game weeks, um, you know, kissing the badge, making the hammer symbol, um, because he is completely mad. Um, and that's why, that's why I love him. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think both of you, what you're saying is right. You just might have to hold on to Felipe Anderson, just wait and see what happens. Because if Anatovic stays and they're back, back up to speed, they've got good fixtures and he might just keep returning. Um, Okay, Ben, what do you reckon to Man United Burnley? Um, first, I want to say United are level on points with Arsenal and only three points behind Chelsea. So I feel pretty good. Um, <laughs> I think we. How um... the mighty have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, though, we are. We, we, the fall is. <laughs> we fell much lower than this, remember? <laughs> Yeah, we were 11 points behind, I think, at some point. Um, yeah, I think this will be um, a win for United. Pretty hard fought because my guess is Solskjaer will play will play a pretty strong team against Arsenal in the FA Cup, but will probably start people like Lukaku and Sanchez um, and then save kind of the team we saw this week for Burnley. Um and I think, but I didn't watch the Burnley game where they drew with Watford. But my guess is, um, away from home, like to keep a clean sheet against Watford is is pretty good going. So I think they'll be pretty stubborn. Um, and we've seen an uptick in their form, especially defensively with Tom Heaton coming back. So I think maybe a narrow, kind of like similar to the Brighton game this weekend, might be a Man U narrow win, like a two nil or two one. Um, and I think most 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 like. Uh, players now have Pogba and Rashford so definitely we're rolling out those guys against um, against Burnley I've seen a couple of managers I've started going with Man U defenders which and this seems like a pretty good shout as well for a clean sheet it's just that we we do have a habit of like conceding that odd goal here and there so um, yeah that's kind of how I see it going I think that's a really good synopsis I think the Brighton match is a really good template for this game um, so yeah I go with your prediction uh, one one that's been catching my eye for Burnley recently is the youngster um, Dwight McNeil um, in midfield he was he was taking set pieces this game week um, he's priced at 4.4 and he's he's a great enabler at that price if he if he keeps playing um, 90 minutes in the last two games and he, he looks like a bright attacking spark for Burnley at the moment so yeah, just one to watch, I think. I I think um, we're going to do the opposite of what Ben said. I think the stronger team, the team that we saw this week, was going to play on Friday against Arsenal because that's the more difficult game. And I think that Solskjaer is in the FA Cup to win it. So I reckon we'll probably see Sanchez and Lukaku and um, 
and no, hopefully not Fellaini um, in the game against Burnley, partly because it's the easier game and partly because we'll want the big burly players who like compete physically with Burnley in that game. And we'll want the, the quick, like agile players that can exploit the turning circle of the Arsenal defenders for the Arsenal game. So it could be a bit of a risky one, I think, for Pogba and Rashford. It could be one where um, I mean, of those two, Pogba is less likely to get rested, uh, especially if um, if the Arsenal game isn't like it doesn't go down to the wire, then he might get brought off towards the end to save him for the uh, for the league game. But it could be that you don't see that Rashford doesn't start against Burnley. I think that's more likely than Rashford not starting against Arsenal. Yeah, that's an interesting, really interesting point that he'll see the the FA Cup as a big chance for him to get a trophy and you know the the job long term potentially as well because there's so many rumours about who they're going to employ at the end of the season. He's really got to do something special to stay in, and just doing, you know, fourth in the league isn't enough really. Maybe he needs a good cup run. So yeah, that is a good shout. Something definitely to ponder. Um, I'm still not massively concerned about Rashford, even if he gets. You know, 20 minutes at the end of a game. I think he against Burnley. I think he can do damage. Um, but yeah, maybe not considering for captaincy choices, just depending on that team against Arsenal. Yeah, I think definitely. I would not. I, I won't be captaining Pogba or Rashford in this game. Um, I think that there's a chance it, the game can go one or two two ways. Either it goes like the um, the the Brighton game where we scored both goals in the first half, in which case we'll have no need for Rashford in the second half. And I think it's much more likely that we'll give the the second choice players a, a full ninety minutes. It might even be that we that that um, the the subs that Solskjaer chooses to use, if we've all, if the game is already won by say the seventieth minute, he could start bringing on Angel Gomez and Andreas Pereira, you know, to to give them minutes rather than giving the players that already have lots of minutes even more of them. So mm. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I would, my advice for this one is do not captain any Man U players. Because um, you just don't know who's going to play. Um, yeah. But if you think that it's going to be a, a blowout, and you know Rashford and Pogba will get some part of that, then maybe play them. The, gonna... good, the good thing is, the good thing is we will know we'll know what the team sheet is after the FA Cup, FA Cup games. You kind of wait and see what teams both Man U and Arsenal play. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm that's gonna, true. I'm going to tear you guys away from Man United. Otherwise, I think that will take up the whole podcast. And. Um, we're going to talk about Newcastle, Man City. Um, I think uh, amazing score, like, score um, scores in FPL for the Newcastle defenders. I think Fabian Shaw with a huge number of points, almost like he got a hat-trick as a striker. Um, I think Lascelles got um, points in there. Dubravka and goal for Andy getting points. Um yeah, just a huge point spread for Newcastle defence. Unfortunately, I think that's all going to come crashing to a, a halt with Man City coming to visit. Um, yeah, I think what some things to kind of bear in mind with Man City is that uh, Benjamin Mendy is now back training um, with the first team. There's been a few pictures of him on the training pitches doing his laughing and joking thing. Um, so although the site said he's red flagged, um, he may not be too far away. So um, keep an eye on FA Cup if he's on the bench or anything like that. Um, there's potential for him coming back um, quite soon. And that might affect Sane on the left um, because Sane, we think, is getting an assurity of starts at the moment because the, he provides them with that width on the left 
that they're missing without Mendy. With Mendy back, that kind of puts that into question slightly. Um, I saw a tweet from someone, I can't remember who it was, um, on on Fantasy Football this week saying that um, Bernardo Silva was in great form. So what does Pep do in the last game week against Huddersfield? Obviously, he drops him. Um, and Jesus has something like seven goals in three games. And naturally, he's on the bench. Um, incredibly hard to pick who's going to be in the team at the moment for City. Um, but I think whoever the, whoever they play in their team um, are going to score a few goals against Newcastle. It's not going to be easy because Newcastle are pretty tough defenders and have Benitez has absolutely no problems about just sitting back at home and trying to keep things tight. Um, but I think City will have enough to win this game. And the crucial thing is if they get a couple of early goals, then Newcastle have, have to change the game plan and start chasing the game. Um, and they're perfectly able to do that, Man City. So, um, yeah, I think City, very hard to predict the lineup. But if you get a player in there, great, because they're scoring lots of goals at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that's a pretty easy one. So we can move on to Bournemouth-Chelsea. Well, there's one thing I, I want to add to the uh, the City synopsis is uh, that Kevin De Bruyne seems to be back now. Um, yeah. Who obviously is is a big hitter. If he if he does continue to play, scores a lot, of, scores some goals and gets a lot of assists. Um, and at nine point seven million, he is right now. I'm pretty sure his value will rise in the in the near future. Differential um, because everyone's got Sané these days could be an interesting differential where he's a little bit cheaper than the other big hitters, but could could give the same number of points. I just I just don't think he's fully back yet. I think he's got his first ninety minutes this season in the game just gone against Huddersfield. Um, so that's not enough for me to say that he's fully back. Um, you know, he had a recurrence of the injury after he came back the first time, after a couple of games. Then he played three games when he came back the next time. And it's only been two um, since uh, two games in a row. And yeah, I'd, I'd need to see a lot more minutes from him and a lot more fitness and form before I considered him as a, a good option um, as a differential. But if you're super, super risky then I, I just it's just too many risks combined. Pep's selection and De Bruyne's fitness at the same time. It's just too risky for me. Uh, one to watch, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Um, Andy, what do you reckon to Bournemouth-Chelsea? Um, the uh, the Callum Wilson, big game for him. Yes, the, uh, the Callum Wilson derby, which uh, it's, it looks like he's injured for. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what's that? that, that? is if Callum Wilson is injured, then that's obviously a big blow for Bournemouth. Um, despite the fact that they did manage to overcome that and win this week, he um, he's such a big player for them. Um, it could be, in in Chelsea's best-case scenario, the debut for Gonzalo Higuain. So, obviously, be watching that transfer with, uh, with interest. Um, Chelsea didn't look good against Arsenal, but I think that was more about... It, it wasn't Chelsea being bad, I don't think, so much as Chelsea being predictable. Arsenal predicting them and playing really well against that. I don't think Bournemouth have good enough players to do what Arsenal did to Chelsea. So I would expect Chelsea to be a lot better against Bournemouth, even though it's away. Um, you may see Giroud return if there is no Higuain, because I don't think the um, the Hazard of the false nine experiment is working. It puts too much focus on one player. Um, at least if uh, if I were Sarri, that's what I'd do. Um so I, I'm expecting a Chelsea win here. I'm not expecting them to, to 
to play as badly, well, to be overcome as as comprehensively as they were this week. Um, so yeah, not not one for not one not one for Bournemouth players. I don't think um, Chelsea players are quite hard to to predict who to pick because when Hazard's playing as a false nine, he's significantly less pickable than when he's playing on the left. Um, I don't really have anyone at centre forward, so I'm not sure. You might see this as a one nil with Hazard scoring, um, or maybe Alonso one goes in off the post instead of coming out as it has been recently. Um, if you've got for you, Ben, you've got Alonso. I wouldn't be. This wouldn't be the week I get rid of Alonso because I think it's as good a week as any to have him. A clean sheet for Chelsea seems likely. Um, likewise for David Luiz, he obviously has been in the games where they've they've won recently. And the attack's been misfiring. David Luiz has like stuck a couple of balls over the top that have been really dangerous. So he's a particularly useful player for Chelsea right now. You could see him get a clean sheet and assist. So um, even though I would be worried generally having Chelsea assets right now, if they're defenders, I wouldn't be getting rid of them for this particular game week. An interesting one looking at the stats for this one. Who do you think has the, the most goal attempts as a team over the last four games, is it Bournemouth or Chelsea? I would say Bournemouth. You'd be right. They are. They are getting more shots on goal, only just. Um, but they're definitely kind of competing with the top teams in terms of the amount of efforts they're getting and their attacking output. The thing is with Chelsea that they are actually, although they didn't show it this week, they are actually very good at the back. Um, and I think that's that's why they're so stodgy going forward, really. Although all of the focus is on the centre forward at the moment, I think that the the real core problem that they have is that their most attacking midfielder is Kovacic, who isn't at a real like he's not like a Pogba style attacking midfielder or a, a De Bruyne style player. He's he, he's he's plays deeper than that. And then on the other side, where you'd want somebody more attacking, you've got N'Golo Kante, who is by trade uh, the, the deepest lying player. And then there's Jorginho, who's even deeper. So between the three of those, there's nobody really breaking into the box and joining the, the attack, which um, which makes them kind of stodgy. Yeah, and the stats bear that out as well. Their second um, second lowest number of shots conceded over the last four as a team. So yeah, yeah, you might be calling that right a narrow win for Chelsea potentially, but um, but uh, hopefully Callum Wilson will get to play in the game. Maybe a Rudiger header. Maybe that's my gut punt. Antonio Rudiger to win the goal with a header. That is very punty. (laughs) That's your style. Um, Ben, what do you reckon to Southampton Palace? Oof. Um, This one is a tough one to call, I think, because Southampton on pretty good form now. Um, Good win for them this weekend against Everton. Um, Nathan Redmond looking dangerous. Um, hitting the post and he, he's a pretty good price at um, the fifth midfielder spot. Palace playing well too so I think the only team um, this season that had managed to score three goals against Liverpool, Crystal Palace obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm having a tough time predicting this one. Uh, Zaha again looked looked more promising against Liverpool. Like he Maybe he's starting to get some form back but um, isn't translating to goals yet. So I think I will hedge this one and might go score draw. Um, it's kind of tricky for me because I have Ben Narek and Wan Bissaka and I can't really figure out which of them to play. And I think it's because I don't think either team will keep a clean sheet here. I think uh, 
I think they'll both try and um, attack, and they'll both 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 see this game as one that, that they can both win. So I, I think it won't it it won't be like super defensive, and um, I can see each team scoring. I think um, I think that's a fair shout. I just think defensively, I think Palace are stronger. And I think you're correct that Southampton will come out and attack them. But I think Palace on the break away from home against Southampton's defence could cause some serious problems. And is it um, Valerie who's playing um, right wing back for Southampton? He's kind of quite new to the league. And I imagine that Zaha could definitely teach him a lesson down that left flank for Palace. So, I mean, Zaha got a lot of joy against... um, um, Milner playing there for Liverpool, um, and I, I could see him doing very well against Valerie as well. Um, so I, I think I might see Palace shade this. I think they, you know, they had a lot of attempts against Liverpool, and attacking-wise, they're looking a lot brighter now. So I think I would, I would give this one to Palace to be honest. But I, I can see why you're struggling with who to play out of um, Southampton defenders or Palace defenders. I completely agree with you, Duncan. And uh, one of the things that's really swaying my opinion is a video clip that I saw that was entitled How to Play Your Way Out or How to Beat the, um, the Liverpool Press. And it's the, uh, the build-up play prior to um, Townsend's goal against Liverpool where there's, it all starts with Spironi and Palace play about maybe 10 or 15 passes between the defenders where every single player receives the ball under pressure and it looks for, for like you put money on the fact that Liverpool are about to score. And then suddenly they pounce because the Liverpool players are, like, have made it all the way up the pitch. And Spironi plays it over the press to um, Van Aanholt and they get out. And then like three passes later, they, they've scored. I think that shows that um, although maybe Roy Hodgson isn't renowned as this like ball-playing type manager... He has got a lot of high-quality defenders there. He's got they're, they're, they're players that know what to do on the ball and, and are comfortable with the ball at their feet. So they should be. I think Southampton's press is significantly worse than Liverpool's, and if they can score a goal like that against Liverpool, they can definitely do it against Southampton. Yeah, if they can beat the Klopp press, they can beat the Hassan Hüttles hustle. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well that's an interesting one that, to watch. It's definitely fairly even at the moment but um, yeah I guess me and Andy are going for Palace on this one Um, Liverpool-Leicester is next up and that's one for me I think with these ones against when you've got a big team and a lesser team coming up against each other it's easier to focus on the lesser team and to work out what's going to happen rather than Liverpool or Man City at the moment because those two teams are just scoring Scoring and defending very well this season, um, and you'd expect them to do very well against lower league opposition. But looking at Leicester specifically, um, they've conceded four goals against Wolves away, which not a lot of teams do because Wolves haven't been uh, hugely high scoring this season. Uh, they also lost to Southampton at home previously before that, so they're not on a good mini run at the moment. Um, but saying that, in the games against the big teams recently, they beat Man City um, back in game week 19 and they beat Chelsea. Um, so they do have the ability. They're another one of those mid-table teams who are very unpredictable and can raise their game against the big teams. Um, that said, I, I just think defensively, I th- I think they're going to be asked quite a lot of questions. Um, 
Maguire might have picked up a, a knock in the last game. He's got a yellow flag on him at the moment. He's a crucial defender for them. Um, West Morgan, I see, is a bit of an issue now. Um, I think uh, he's sometimes a red card waiting to happen. And I think pace-wise, he can definitely be tested against Liverpool's attack. Um, so I'd be pretty confident about um, about Liverpool in this game. I think Salah is a very good captaincy shout. And I think if people have brought in Firmino as a Kane replacement, I think that's a really good shout because he followed up his good recent form with a goal um, against Palace and he's looking good. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think it, it. I think it is fairly quite straightforward as it as it does look. And I think Leicester, you know, we were saying the last minute goal for Fulham was a gut punch against Spurs this game week. I think it's the same for Leicester, even later goal um, uh, against Wolves. So I think they're going to be really downhearted. And generally, the atmosphere around Claude Puel is a pretty negative one. I think I was chatting to my mum about it. Um, at the football this week and she was saying he's a manager who you never see smile even when things are going well for him he's just quite quiet and reflective he's never happy and I think that's the general atmosphere um, around Leicester at the moment slightly negative and you know players in and out you're not really sure you know Madison didn't start this week um, which is a strange one considering that he's creating so many chances at the moment in the league so yeah I think Liverpool go for them Salah captain stick it on him and forget about it. Set and forget. Oh, yeah, I think uh, this is the beginning of the Claude Pearl getting sacked tour because they play Liverpool, Man United, and Spurs in the next three games, and I think they're gonna they're gonna lose all three, and he was gonna get sacked. Also, I Liverpool, think that's fair. also Liverpool don't have are out of the FA Cup, so they they're gonna be resting for like a week and a half, and then they're just gonna. I think they're just gonna. Uh, unless they're my candidates for whipping boys, basically, I think they're gonna thrash them. I think that's fair enough. And that's a good shout about um, Liverpool with the blank game weeks. Out, um, um, Liverpool out of the FA Cup. Um, but also, they we were talking about uh, blank game weeks last last pod. Liverpool now have, blank, um, have, have fixtures during both game week 31 and game week 33, which are the potential blank game weeks. So their, their assets are even more in... Uh, important to have at the moment going into those blanks. Um, yeah, so just worth mentioning that as well, I think. I like the idea of a Claude Puel farewell tour, though. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, what do you reckon to the last fixture, Spurs versus Watford? Um, really interesting, this one, because Spurs obviously have horrendous injury issues right now. Um, I'm just running through the, the list of players that have injured. Or, or, or out of the Asia games. They've got Sun, Mora, Ali, Sissoko, Dembele, Wanyama and Kane all unavailable right now. Um, with the only returnee from that group was Eric Dyer, who, uh, who came back this week. So <clears throat> really, really tough for them, especially given how important Kane is to them and how Lorente's most significant contribution this week was an own goal. Um, they do actually have another... I've just realised they have another forward in their line up they have Kaziah Sterling maybe we'll see him who knows uh, <laughs> but um, I think even with all of those players out they're still a dangerous team going forward um, they've still got the likes of Ericsson Lamella Ali is yellow so he might return um, and Kudu got an assist I think this week um, put the cross in for Harry Winks' goal Harry Winks scored a goal so I think 
the system is set up well enough by Pochettino that when they play a team outside the top six, they're always going to be favourites, especially at home. Um, Watford are a bit of a funny team. They um, they always seem to defy my expectations, as we've spoken about before on this podcast. So um, I'm perfectly prepared to face uh, disagreement from you guys on, on what the result might be on this game. But I think even with all of those injuries, Spurs are a better team than Watford. Watford will make it difficult for them. They'll try and make it a physical battle against, uh, um, especially against a player like Harry Winks in midfield, who's quite small. Um, but with Dyer back, I think they've got enough to, to win that. And they've got their first choice defence in place as well now. Um, they've got Vertonghen, um, Alvaro, and Davidson Sanchez all available. Um, so I expect Spurs to win it. It could be a very interesting one for some un, some atypical Spurs scorers. So um, this is where my gut punt's going to come from this week. Um, yeah, Spurs win and one of their midfielders to, to be the, the man of the match and the scorer. Okay. Um, I guess we're, we're so close to gut punts now. Are you going to give us a little preview of, of who that midfielder is going to be? It's going to be Eric Lamella. Um, he is the most attacking of all of their midfielders. And I think he's going to be sort of asked to, to carry the, the attack forward now as the... Uh, obviously, Eriksen is the one that... Um, that's sort of the, mo- the, the most senior player left out of their attacking players. But with all of the other injuries that are going on, he's being asked to play a deeper role which means that then the sort of further forward senior player is Lamella, which is interesting because he got his big move to Spurs off the back of playing a very similar like main man role for Roma. So my, uh, my, my, my gut, the gut in this punt is that um, we might see that Lamella come back and him sort of be the main man for the next few games. I just worry with Lamella that we've been waiting for that Roma Lamella to turn up since he arrived at Tottenham and he's never really shown it. Um, he's never really stepped up. He's had nice patches, but he's never done it consistently or for, you know, half a season. And I mean, his price is amazing. 6.1 um, is a fantastic price. Um, but I just I just think Spurs have got so many. They've just lost Deli Alley in the last game. What looks like a hamstring injury, which is not good. So he, he looks like he'll be ruled out in the next game. They're just, they're down to the bare bones. And I, I think, Having brought in Llorente this week, uh, I think he does not sound from the Fulham game like he is going to be the solution, especially if the supporting cast are also second teamers. So I'm I'm concerned about Spurs' results in this good run of fixtures. And I think, I just think Cher- trying to pick um, through the bones of what's left in their team is probably not advisable. Um, I think it's fair enough for a gut punt, but I don't think... Um, I would be bringing in Spurs players at the moment. Ben, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. I, I actually see this one as maybe a draw. Um, I, I think the good thing about Spurs is, like Annie said, they do have their first choice defenders back. And they look very solid um, at the back. But going forward, I think you, you've seen, especially if they lose Ali as well, um, it could be it could be tough on their squad, especially because I think they're still in the League Cup. So they got a League Cup game, then an FA Cup game, and then this game. Um, they may be pretty tired, so yeah, it's going to be tough for them. Basically, <laughs> I think yeah. that's, I think they'll sack off that League game, the League Cup game. To be honest, the, the league is clearly the priority for them, and it always has been. Um, unlike unlike Solskjaer, Pochettino doesn't need a cup to keep his job. I don't know. I think he. 
he needs to start winning something. And I don't think the league, I don't think they have a chance in the league anymore. So he might see League Cup or FA Cup as more of a chance. But it would mean that he would have to play his first team and they'd have to play a lot of the fixtures coming up. So I think Watford are going to come into this fixture a lot fresher. And they're such a physical team. They're going to really make Spurs work for it. And Spurs are going to be tired. So I think we could see an upset here in this game. But we'll just have to see. Um, okay, should we move on to Whipping Boys? Andy's um, Ben's gone for Leicester already as the Whipping Boys against Liverpool. Andy, who are you going to go to as Whipping Boys? Yeah, I'm going Leicester as well. Yeah, I think I think I am. I think I see Newcastle putting up more of a fight uh, uh, at home to Man City. So Leicester are going to be our Whipping Boys. So yeah, what the about... other candidate the week that I thought you would say Duncan is Cardiff. So I think Cardiff have had some clean sheets recently. They've put on quite a nice run of clean sheets. I think they've got a good goalkeeper. And I think um, Arsenal haven't looked incredible at creating chances recently. So I think, although I think Arsenal will win that, I think whipping boys um, we should be looking at either Man City or Liverpool and who they're playing against. Okay, so next up, let's have a look at gut punts. So um, reviewing our gut punts from last week, Gary who was on uh, the pod a couple of game weeks ago, has started tracking our gut punts and he set a limit of 5% ownership, um, similar to Fancy Football Scout, to make sure that they're differentials. Um, so top of the pile in game week 23 was Matt. He went for Josh King, um, who came in with eight points. Next up is Gary. He went for Jose Perez, who came in with seven points. So pretty good return so far. Andy just scraped in controversially with uh, David Brooks, who got him six points. He is actually over the threshold at 5.2, but as it's the first time we've done this, we, we allowed him that. Then it's me with Matt Ritchie. He had so many chances and set pieces against Cardiff. I thought he got an assist, but um, it turns out less sales, I think, and nodded it on in the box. So he came in with three points. And then Ben with Nasri, he doubled up, doubled down on his Nasri gut punt, um, but it came in with two points. So he's bottom of the pile at the moment. Keeping track of these going through in the season so we can, yeah, so that would be enjoyable, um, especially for Gary and Matt, who are top of the pile at the moment. So Andy, coming to you first with the top score from this week, um, who's your gut punt for game week 24? Uh, my gut punt is Eric Lamella. I think that he uh, is likely to lead the line for Spurs. Um, he, once he lead the line, I don't mean he's going to be centre forward, but I mean he's going to be the sort of the outlet for them, the one that is expected to do the most furthest forward in their team. Um, with so many injured midfielders right now, um, Eriksen has been asked to play a deeper role than he traditionally has for Tottenham. Um, they may ask him to play further forward again now, especially with Ali looking like he's got a hamstring injury. But I think um, even with that, like Lamella's a significantly different type of player. He's a, a dribbler and a, and a runner rather than a passer. Um, Lorente looks like he's going to have the centre forward spot despite his own goal, because otherwise it's Kaziah Sterling. So I think that um, if that's sort of the centre forward, it's not going. He's not going to be playing like Kane, like like as the the main creator and goal scorer. So a lot's going to rest on Lamella. Uh, so he's my gut punt. I think if he's not finishing things off, he's going to be setting them up. Um, and that 
without that, Tottenham are going to fail badly, which I don't think they're going to do. I think they're good enough to to get to get through um, this phase with even with all of their injuries because they've got a pretty kind run of fixtures. So, yeah, this is where it starts okay. for Lamella. Okay, Ben, what about you? Uh, mine's going to be Aaron Ramsey uh, against Cardiff. 0.9% ownership. He may not start, but I think if he does start, he'll do stuff. And he's playing against his old team. I think he came to Arsenal from Cardiff. Um, so, yeah, sometimes players do well against their old team. I thought he was at Southampton before. No, he's um, he was Cardiff, I think. Cardiff youngster. He's a Welshman. A Welshman at heart. Um Okay, I think that's a, a good shout. Although I do have to say, having been at the game and that is now locked in, Ben Ramsey was total crap against Chelsea. <laughs> so good luck. Um, <laughs> uh, next up, my gut punt. I um, now we started keeping track of these. I'm going to take these seriously now. I was just playing before. Um, I was just uh, sucking you guys in. I'm going to go for Jogo Jota um, off the back of a hat trick. Uh, ownership of 1.3 percent and playing against. West Ham's defence. Um, so I think that is hopefully going to come off for me. And if not, I'll just keep picking Jota till till he gets up to 5% ownership, which won't be long after his hat-trick, I'm sure. I think there should be a rule that you can't pick the same gut punt two weeks in a row. I agree. Um, although that would have meant that Nasri wouldn't have happened this week. So well, The game started um, last week, so that the previous week didn't count, right? <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Okay, once you pick someone, you can't pick them again, yeah? Agreed. Okay, it's set in stone. Nice one. Um, our captain, most of us, we went with Salah, like a lot of people did. I think it sounds like we're going with Salah again this week, but let's find out. Um, what about clean sheets, guys? Andy, did you see any clean sheets this week? Um, yes, I, I see plenty, actually. I think... Um... The most obvious one to start with might be Man City against Newcastle. Yeah, Man City are really top of the um, fewest shots conceded over the last four. I think they're 10, 10 shots or more um, in comparison to Chelsea in in the net, in second place for that. So I think that's a really good good shout. What about you, Ben? Uh, I'll go Man United. Against... Shot shy Burnley. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go for Arsenal. I think they look pretty solid against Chelsea despite con- conceding a lot of possession. So I imagine if they can do it against Chelsea, surely they can do it against Cardiff. Um, Andy, who do you see next? Um, Liverpool against Leicester. Another good one. Okay, Ben. Hmm. Not sure now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe Spurs. I'm not that confident though. Okay, Spurs. I'm pretty confident about Everton. Um, as (laughs) that sounds weird saying that out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Andy, do you see any more? Yeah, Chelsea. I think uh, are a solid shout against Bournemouth. Okay. I'm not so sure about that one, but fair enough. Ben, he struggled last time. Can you see any more? Maybe Brighton. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I thought Fulham sounded like they were pretty good against Spurs, created loads of chances early on. 
Um, which is yeah, Ryan Babble hat trick. That's my shout. <laughs> um, okay, should we call it there? Um, and then we can have a look at uh, captains and transfers. So, Andy, I'll come to you first. Um, well, captain's going to be Salah, which uh, I don't think is controversial. Transfers, um, my sort of three-week plan is to lose both, lose all three of Sigurdsson, Richarlison and Snodgrass. Lost Sigurdsson, um, which has worked out brilliantly. Um, so now it's one of Richarlison and Snodgrass. Given that Snodgrass has lost his place in the team, I think he's jumped up the list. Um, so looking to replace him, I might bring in my gut punt in Lamella just to... to to anger Duncan because um, I think he's definitely going to be playing for the next few weeks and 6.1 is so cheap um, I would have been looking at Jota but I already have three Wolves players so I can't do that so yeah I think probably either Lamella or I might look at bringing in um, one of Lingard or Martial because man you attack so much but I don't know I think given the uh, the FA Cup fixture there's a risk that that might go pear-shaped because it's Rotation might happen, and it can't happen at Tottenham because there aren't any players. So, yeah, I think probably Snodgrass for the matter. But we'll see what happens on uh, on Monday. And you're gonna you're gonna wait until um, just before the game week deadline to make that transfer, aren't you? This time. Well, as always, I've got plenty of money in the bank, so I don't need to watch the pennies that carefully. Okay, cool. How about you, Ben? Um, captain will be Salah. I'm just salivating at. Salah versus Wes Morgan, I think it's going to be complete destruction. Um, transfers, I have 5.4 in the bank. So I, I have two options I was thinking of. Um, interested to see what you guys think. One, one that I was thinking was Jimenez to Obama Yang so that I get Obama Yang for Cardiff and also for that blank game week coming up. I think it's... Which one is it? 27. Arsenal have the best fixture that game, that game week where they play Southampton at home because Liverpool played Man United. So that would allow me to captain Aubameyang in that game week. But that would mean playing, continuing to play my really outdated 4-4-2, which I'm not really loving. Um, the second option, which I think I prefer a little bit more now, is Kamara to Firmino. Um, Kamara has been, I think, completely disowned by Fulham, and I think he's out of the picture completely. Firmino um, looks like he's getting back into goal-scoring form. I think Leicester are going to be whipping boys, so Firmino should be involved, and that will allow me to play 3-4-3 and keep Jimenez, who I kind of actually like. He kind of like just ticks along. Um, And I think I got him initially at a good price. Um, the only problem with going three four three means I have to kind of basically bench Wambisaka and Benderek every game week, and they have really good fixtures coming up. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm I'm leaning towards Firmino and going three four three, but I don't know what you guys think. I I I think the game week twenty seven captaincy is a good thing to consider looking ahead because Aubameyang is a great fixture and captaincy is so important. But also that that game week. Chelsea have Brighton at home and you've got Eden Hazard in your team. So if Chelsea finds some form before then, that's also another potential good captaincy. Um, And he's probably going to be a popular one in that game week. So I don't think you have to worry too much about that. Um, Yeah, I I do like the idea of a a 3-4-3 rather than going 4-4-2. 
Um, so I'd probably say Firmino. I think his value is so good at the moment, and he over recent form he's he's matching Aubameyang. So I prefer that one more, and it, it gets you through all the blank game weeks coming up, like 31, 33. You don't have any Liverpool defenders, so you mean you'd be doubled up on Liverpool, um, which I think is kind of quite important to at least be doubled up. Um, so I go with Firmino. Yeah, and eventually, I think that makes sense. And eventually, like, I think most of us will want to be tripled up by the time all those blanks roll by. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Nice one. Um, I, I've i looked at a few different things. I, I think I take the record. We took the piss out of Andy last week, but I think I take the record for amount of money in the bank this game week. I've got 6.9 in the bank, which is... <laughs> <laughs> seven million pounds in the bank which is a whole player a whole good player um in the bank which is crazy so i've got to spend that you're in um it was good fun before the game week started as soon as it started and got that own goal <laughs> it was less fun so uh what i'm considering is i had a look at um um the, the top number one uh, chess player in the world who's actually um, 111 in the um, in, fans, in FPL at the moment. Um, Magnus Carlsen is his name. He's he's really high up. He could win. Um, he's in contention to win Fancy Premier League this week. Um, I saw someone tweeting about it on Twitter and had a look at his team. Um, and the man is clearly a genius in terms of thinking ahead and thinking moves ahead. He's gone for three four three, um, and he's actually the reason that I went with Urente this week is I wasn't sure whether I wanted to go Abamyang with the bad fixture against Chelsea or Firmino whether that was going to work out long term or whether he was more of a midfielder um, or you know a striker playing out of position in midfield. So I wanted to take another week to think about it, but um, Magnus Carlsen has gone with both of them. He's got Rashford, Abamyang, and Firmino. And gone four in midfield instead of my, my five with Felipe Anderson and Richardson totally out of form. And I just really like that idea of his team um, not having to pick between them and just going with both of them. So I might even take an eight-point hit um, this game week, get rid of Urente, get rid of Danny Ings. Don't really have confidence in either of them. Um, and I could get rid of those two, bring in a Bamiang, bring in Firmino and, and change either Felipe Anderson or Richarlison to someone 4.6, 4.7, something like that. And, you know, Camarasa or, or maybe the guy from Burnley I mentioned before, um, who is McNeil, I think. Um, yeah. And then I think that would be, that would set me up really nicely. It would be a bit risky with a nice rank I've got at the moment, 3K taking an eight point hit. But um, yeah, I think that would set me up really well. Do you think that's crazy to take a point hit, or do you no, think that's fair that, enough? That, that, that's what I would do in your shoes, Duncan. I think the idea of having um, Firmino, to be honest, I would have gone straight for Firmino rather than um, Lorente. So it kind of corrects um, what seems like a mistake from last week that you made and turns it into a positive as well. But that front line is scary, so I, I think that sounds really good. Yeah, unless you want to give Lorente another week. <laughs> he has a good fixture against Watford and then nice he, he um, does and, and he likes scoring goals <laughs> <laughs> no but I think that's a really good move actually 
because then you have both. You don't have to worry about it. You've almost changed my mind there, Ben. Maybe Llorente is captain. <laughs> <laughs> Double down on your punt for this week. Triple captain, Llorente? <laughs> <laughs> Minus three points, you say. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Llorente um, score a hat-trick against Watford now. That would be so yeah. funny. Thank you.